When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Welcome to the Watford Buzz Podcast, a podcast about Watford Football Club, where we bring you news, tactical analysis, and have a good old natter about the topic that we love the most, Watford Football Club. My name is Matt Mestiano, and on this week's episode, we'll be discussing how Watford's opponent, Sheffield Wednesday, could possibly line up ahead of the second league fixture of the season, with Sheffield Star sports journalist Alex Miller. But before that, we're going to chat about Watford's most recent performances against both Middlesbrough last Friday and then in the second round of the Carabao Cup on Tuesday against Oxford. And to join me in this discussion, I'm delighted to be joined by sports writer and former Watford City reporter, Adam Newson. Adam, thanks for joining me. How are you well? Uh, I'm good, thanks, Matt. Thank you for having me. Uh, how are you? Yeah, I'm great as well. Thank you. Well, I'll start with the Cup fixture then, as it's the most recent in our memory. And uh, admission time, usually I don't get too excited about the Carabao Cup, it has to be said. But there were lots of positives to take from Tuesday night's game. Firstly, the win, of course, that means that Watford will now progress to the third round to play Newport County. But there were plenty of notable performances to speak of too, Adam. What did you think of the game? I think, you know, first things first, the fact that Watford are, are through shouldn't be disregarded um, whilst they're, you know, fundamentally they're, they're probably not going to win the League Cup and it's arguably not going to be on the uh, priority list of Ivic. I think it's, you know, for fans it's nice to be in the Cup and given the the, the size of the Watford squad at the moment, um, I think it's, it's very important to stay in as long as you can just to make sure that as many players as you possibly can uh, uh, sort of being given minutes um and you know from a from a perhaps a, a bit of a bygone time at Watford it was nice to see a lot of the um academy lads involved which I know uh hasn't perhaps been as important under the Pozzo reign as it was before but mm. obviously that was something that Watford prided themselves on in the past so just from that point of view it was nice to see so many of the sort of academy players uh play yeah, you're right. There was and there was a, quite a few of them as well. Four debuts were made against Oxford: Stevenson, uh, Agayakwa, Phillips as well, and also uh, Pericha, who was the other debut as well. But not really a Watford Academy player, but um, he got his debut as well. So let's talk about the the game itself. And and there's there's really only one person that we can start off with, which is Daniel Backman, man of the match. And Adam, have you ever seen a, a penalty shootout where it finishes three nil? With one goalkeeper saving every shot he's faced, I'm not sure if I ever have. Uh, from memory, no. Um, it's uh, quite an extraordinary achievement, and uh, probably one that Daniel Backman probably doesn't anticipate um, recreating at any point in his career. Uh, but no credit to him. And as you said, you know, it wasn't just that he 
he did very well in the penalty shootout. Obviously, he he had a good game. Um, he he made a few nice stops, uh, and probably did what you would want your your second choice goalkeeper to do when they they come into the team. They he's provided he's provided a certain level now of assuredness. I would say um, that if anything did happen to Ben Foster, you know there is someone who is capable behind him. If he if he'd come in and played. Uh, a, a ninety minutes, which you know was was riddled with mistakes, or where he looked nervous, you, you'd probably look at it and go, "Well, what happens if if you know Foster has an injury here? Where does that leave us?" But when your second choice comes in and performs like that, then it gives, a, I guess, it gives a lot of confidence to not only the you know the goalkeeper himself, but also the manager that he does have a, a capable backup that he can turn to if needed. Yeah, absolutely. I've even, I've even seen a few uh, tweets from. Uh from some Watford fans suggesting that Backman should be immediately elevated to the number one. I'm, I'm not sure if they're getting a little bit carried away on <laughs> it, but uh, it certainly was a good would, uh, a good impression that he that he gave Daniel Backman. Yeah, certainly. I, I don't think, uh, you know, Ben Foster will be losing the, the number one spot. Uh, I know his form, perhaps uh, post-lockdown fixtures, was not maybe the best, but um, his experience and his personality uh, in that in the first team, especially at the moment with so much uncertainty, it's it's nice to have someone like Foster who you know is is going to start and he knows what the championship's about and he's been around so long now that nothing's really going to phase him. So, whilst I can understand, you know, based on the performance from Daniel Backman, that, that some fans are perhaps a bit excited by by that. I can't see Ben Foster being replaced anytime soon for not just his goalkeeping ability, but also the yeah the experience he brings to the to the team and know how that is going to be vital in these next few weeks at least. I was also really impressed by Toby Stevenson, who was who was playing in the left wing back role, and he put in some really good deliveries, especially for one for Pericha, who headed the ball against the bar. But uh, it, it was a great cross from Stevenson, and he he looked really assured on that left hand side. Mm. I think it's the left hand side is obviously going to be something that we come to discuss a bit more later. So um, I won't go too much in depth on it. But given the lack of left backs in the squad or left wing backs in the squad, it's going to be interesting to see if Watford do decide to to go with what they've got in terms of Kiko and Stevenson, or if they decide that they do need someone to to come in. But you know, we've seen down the years that young lads from the academy can step up in, especially into the championship. And nice to see a few getting their chance yesterday. And obviously, Daniel Phillips was given his debut against um, Middlesbrough as well. So he might be someone who sticks around for the entire season, as well as maybe a couple of the other lads on the periphery. Yeah, and Phillips certainly looks like a player, doesn't he? Yeah, it's, it's, I can't say I was really expecting anyone uh, from the academy to be thrown in against Middlesbrough. Um, I was surprised that he was even in the squad, in truth, given the amount of players. But once you, you know, emerged at seventeen, were not going <laughs> to play against Middlesbrough. Uh, it kind of made it a necessity to turn to the academy, and you know, say so it's not been as regularly used as uh, it was pre-Pozzo's for fairly obvious reasons. Um, but it's nice to see that Watford haven't lost that tradition entirely. Um, Although I do wonder, and this is you know throwing it back a few years, what I wonder if if they'd managed to keep Jane Sancho, I imagine he would have broken through at some point. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what he's <laughs> definitely one that they're uh, that is appointed to have lost. So, uh, I mean, that victory now means that they've got a third round match against Newport County. Is the cup something you think Watford should take more seriously this season, or do you think it could be a potential distraction from? The ultimate goal of promotion. Um, I say I think at this stage there's no reason not to take it uh, seriously, especially just because of how many players there are 
in the squad. Uh, obviously, that may change in the coming weeks, and the squad may slim down or probably will slim down. So then you have to make a bigger call about where Watford will be championship wise but at this stage you know it's a good chance to to give a few lads who wouldn't normally be handed starts it's a good chance to give them some first team action it's a good chance to for Ivic to just test out some other players that he may not be fully convinced by yet uh, or seen enough from so like like Jerome Sinclair who I have to say was something of a forgotten man at Watford at at this point um, but has managed to you know been handed a start and whether or not he'll stick around post transfer window we'll see but um while they're in it, then why not take it seriously and why not try and progress? And even if the realistic uh, outlook is that Watford probably won't win it this season, then you know why not go as far as you can and maybe get a tie against a quote-unquote glamour club, which I know isn't as as probably glamorous as it used to be given Watford were a Premier League side for five years. But and hopefully by that point, who knows? Fans might even be allowed back in the in the ground, and there might be a, a high-profile game at Vicarage Road for everyone to to attend. Yeah, it's certainly worth um, them. At least keeping one eye on it because it, it could it could potentially turn into turn into something as they go through the rounds and and certainly it provides the opportunity for players like Daniel Backman to to get some first team minutes. Talking about the championship then and last Friday Watford started their campaign for promotion just as they'd wanted to with a one nil victory over Middlesbrough and despite it not being a glamorous ninety minutes from either side Watford proved they were the better team on the night I think and. Ultimately, Adam, they showed that Vicarage Road is going to be a tough place for teams to come to this season. Yeah, I, you know, I don't think anybody probably watched the performance and was overly excited even by it. Um, but it's hard, hard to argue that Watford pretty much, apart from a couple of Asamba longer chances, they kept Middlesbrough at bay. Um, they didn't really look that troubled. Um, yes, they weren't that expressive on the ball and there's definitely work to be done there. But uh, before before Ivic came in, I, I read a lot and I wrote a piece myself about what he would bring. And one of the, the clear things was, you know, defensive stability. And that was something that Watford lacked so much or, you know, so badly last night. They, did, they really struggled defensively. So to have a coach come in and organise a team was, is obviously the first thing you want. Um it was nice to see Craig Cathcart back in the team, I have to say. Um, I know he's maybe not everyone's favourite play. probably isn't anyone's favourite play in truth. And I hope Craig isn't listening because uh, I like the guy and I don't want him to take that the wrong way. Um, but he's a very reliable championship defender who probably could have done more for Watford last season if given a chance. Um, but it's nice to see Ben Wilmot included as well. Um, and, you know, it, it's hard to really talk about the team as it is at the minute, just because there are so many players missing and you don't, fundamentally, we don't know yet who is going to still be here come October the 6th when the transfer window closes. Um, the lads who the, who played against Middlesbrough did did what they needed to do. They did, you know, the, they defended well and they got the win that they needed. It was nice to see a goal from a set piece, um, which is something they've clearly worked on. Um, yeah, that was nice. And Pedro looked very good, which I think is probably the, the main takeaway is that we hadn't seen very much of him after he arrived in January. So he was something of an unknown. And, you know, he's an 18-year-old Brazilian thrown in into the championship. How is he going to do? Um, and he showed a lot of positive things. He showed one uh, really, really nice move where he, you know, he got the ball under pressure, managed to get out of the situation and threaded a lovely pass, which almost came off. And just in that sort of snapshot, I think, was enough to suggest that yeah, this this kid is going to be able to handle himself in the championship, and if he can get the right players around him, he's going to be very, very good. 
Yeah, a man of the match performance from from Jao Pedro, uh, as voted for by by the Sky TV guys, and um, I think Neil Warnock was a little bit unhappy with that, but uh, he certainly got himself about Pedro, and um, you know, he, you know, he, he did exactly what what I think Watford fans have been crying out for him to be given the opportunity to do, and uh, you know, he just needs that goal now, I think, to um, to really get his season started, and um, you, you get the feeling that once he gets his first, you know, that a, a few more could come. Yeah, definitely. As I say, he certainly showed he has enough uh, technical quality on the ball and sort of now off it to to do well in the championship. Um, it could be a really good grounding for him this season. Um, whether or not you know if if he did score fifteen twenty goals a season and Watford went up, whether or not Watford would be able to keep him anyways is another issue. But um, given what he did on that against Middlesbrough, then there's a lot of positive signs. And you know the hope is that you surround Joao Pedro with players who are as essentially as good as him, you know, imagine him alongside someone like an Ismail Assar or up top with a Luis Suarez, who I guess, you know, again, his future is uncertain, but there are, there are these quality players in the Watford squad that if you can link him up with a, with a Jao Pedro, then it could be very exciting and it could be some really good football. Um, but as I say, at the moment, there's just so many unknowns that it's really difficult to take too much or make too many predictions on this team apart from you know they they did what they needed to do against Middlesbrough and that's what they're really going to have to do until the transfer window closes just do enough keep getting the points and then see where they are another player who caught my eye from that match was uh, someone who probably a lot of Watford fans have forgotten about whilst he'd been away but that was Ken Semmer playing on the on the left wing mm. side and uh, you know he 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 put in some really good balls and uh, you know he also he proved that he can get up and down that wing quickly, and I think he's perhaps given people uh, a little reminder of, of the kind of quality that he can bring to the side. Yeah, definitely. I think his his delivery for the uh, for the Cathcart goal was excellent, um, and probably wasn't enough. Probably wasn't made enough on it uh, uh, by Sky. But you know, when he first joined Watford and had a few outings, he didn't really look like someone who was going to have a huge impact in the first team. And you know, I don't think that's unfair. But he's been away. He's spent a a year at Udinese, he's come back and again, he may be someone who wasn't perhaps expecting to, to get into this team. Um, but situation has demanded it and, you know, he's in his first two games, he's got uh, a goal and an assist and and he's looked and he's looked lively. So, you know, he's doing all he can do at the moment. Um, so it's hard to, to argue with him staying in the team, you know, going forward. And if, you know, the, the if the transfer window shuts and there is a lot of quality in those front areas still, He's certainly doing his bit to suggest he can fit in amongst that. Mm. And comparing the, the the Middlesbrough lineup from the one that played against Spurs, the notable absentee was was Purvis Estupinan, who looks like he was absent because he was in the process of moving to Villarreal, a deal that has now been confirmed, and it looks to have netted Watford a fee in the region of fifteen million euros. But Adam, a lot of fans were a bit disappointed by this transfer, and they were, I think, ex- excited by his potential that he had, but. Where do you stand on it? I uh, had, had seen a little bit of him in La Liga last season, not loads, um, but he, by all accounts, did very, very well. Uh, there's a reason, you know, you get linked to the, the big clubs in Spain um, and that's when you perform well. So, yeah, it's a shame he's gone. I can completely understand it from a Watford perspective, though. Um, at them, you know, They are having to cut their cloth accordingly now they're outside the Premier League. Um had they not got relegated, would he have stayed? Probably. Uh, I think that's the reality of it. But fifteen million euros for a player who hasn't been at the club, you don't really know how he's going to settle into English football. 
uh, and who by sort of most accounts had only a year left on his contract, although I know there's some uh, sort of ambiguity about that. But if that is the case, then getting 15 million, I think it's 15 million pounds, or is it 15 million euros? I think it might, depends, I think, who asks. Yeah, different <laughs> reports, aren't they? But I mean, it's it's still it's still a large amount of money for for a player that has never actually appeared. Yes, to you exactly. In a in a in a, in a Lille fixture. Exactly. I I, put, I did put this out on Twitter the other night as you know a hypothetical scenario. If you sell Estupian and then you sell Luis Suarez and you recoup thirty million for for the two, and that enables Watford to keep his Milasar, then you know do you take that? Most people who replied said yes. Um, and I appreciate there is a scenario that, you know, that's the doomsday scenario and you lose all three. But at the end of the day, I think Saar is Watford's prized asset. Um, so if you can raise funds elsewhere whilst keeping him at the club, then that's only going to benefit Watford, not only this season, but in the future, because Saar has the potential to be a sort of 50, 60 million pound player. Um, I know he costs hearts, you know, 30 million to sign him. But if you could end up selling him for 60 million, then... You know, Watford have done tremendous business. And in the meantime, if he gets them up, then, you know, everybody wins, really. Mm. That's interesting, though. So you mentioned Luis Suarez, who, you know, there are suggestions that uh, that some clubs are in for him. League One outfit Marseille has been muted. But uh, you think that potentially it's it's not bad business for the club to let him go as long as they can keep Saar? I think, you know, again, I have watched bits of Suarez, not loads, and I really like what he does. I think he's going to be a, a very good striker in the future. Um, but again, there's the uncertainty about whether or not he'd fit in to the championship. There's an uncertainty about whether or not he'd fit into England. Um, yeah. I know he's got, I think he, he said in an interview last year, he's got a young family. He's not a sort of big outgoing guy. So, you know, you don't know how that is going to fit in. And England's, you know, the whole of Britain's a very different place at the moment. It's not as easy to, to sort of adapt. You can't go out to restaurants. You can't go out and do a lot of things that you would normally do, um, or at least safely. So I think if the right offer came in for Suarez, I'm sure I'm sure Watford would consider it. Um, the flip side is I'm sure they'd like to keep him, but the realities are, are, are what they are. Um, and, you know, if you can sell Estupian and Suarez for the best part of 30 million, then... It's not the worst business. Uh, it's not the worst business, no, so especially if you. And, you know, and, I, and I know that what fans will say is, yeah, we could sell both of these lads, and then Liverpool could chuck in sixty million for Saar on deadline day. We'd lose all three, and I do understand that as a possibility. Um, I don't think Liverpool will chuck that money in, but I do understand it's a possibility that Saar could still go. <laughs> um, but at the end of the day, you know there are consequences to suffering relegation, and if you can try and cut your cloth whilst keeping arguably your best player then to me that that is a win so you know it's it's potentially a necessary evil to lose to lose two players to keep the best one mm. there were there were reports in the media that uh that, that Sar could go for his list was 40 million but that seems unlikely given that they paid 30 or 35 million for him we believe i mean do you think that they would they would they would do something? Uh, I would be stunned. Like I, I don't have any inside information on this, but given what they spent, I'd be absolutely amazed if Watford cashed in on forty million, simply because his value is only going to go up. Um, if you keep him for another year and he absolutely smashes the championship, his value will go up. If you keep him for a year, Watford go back up and he's back in the Premier League and he does well again, his value will go up. I cannot see a scenario where Watford go, yeah, forty million for some we bought last year for thirty will take that so you know unless someone comes in with an absolutely out, 
outlandish bid of you know 55 60 million which in this transfer window seems unlikely just because of the financial implications of of the pandemic then yeah i see him staying at, at watford and, and by all accounts he seems happy to you know he did an interview recently saying if if watford want to keep him then then he's got a contract and he's going to honor that so um so yeah hopefully he stays because he is in my opinion by far watford's best player um and most threatening player and the player with the highest ceiling at the club in in terms of incomings, because I think incomes is a incomings is a more of a happier subject, I think, for a lot of a lot of us, no matter yeah. what football team you support. And uh, Ivic has gone on record saying that he wants new signings, or at least he wants at least uh, a new left wing back for a steeper nan. But do you see any other areas of the squad that that need some strengthening? Um, it's so tricky again because there are so many players that they still need to to make decisions on. But um, I guess if you lose Suarez. Uh, and you lose Dini, but again, that seems to be very up in the air. It's the same with Danny Welbeck, whose squad number was knocked down from 10 to 38, I think, and not much has really been made of that. Mm. Um, no, that was interesting, wasn't it? So, you know, if if, you, if you're saying that you're losing, if in a hypothetical situation where you're losing Suarez, you're losing Dini, and you're losing uh, Danny Welbeck, and you've got Glenn Murray and Jao Pedro as your main two strikers... And obviously Perich is there, but you don't know how it's set. So I think you probably need another one, um, yeah. probably with maybe championship experience. I know Murray was brought in for that reason, but uh, he's not going to play every game. I think that's, that's fair to say. And he's definitely not going to start every game. Um, yeah. There's Andre Gray as well. Oh, yeah, potentially, of uh, Is currently uh, suffering from an injury, but I don't believe it was that serious. At least that's what the, what the reports seem to be. So hopefully he'll be back in contention. Soon, and we did see a little bit of excitement from him, uh, at least against Spurs, where he uh, he scored a decent penalty and and certainly looked a handful at least in that game. But you're right, the, it, potentially if you lose two strikers, you you could you could do it for at least one. Yeah, of course. Sorry, uh, I'd apologise to Andre Gray. Um, he's obviously got a good championship record as well. Uh, he didn't necessarily thrive in the Premier League or, or especially maybe at Watford. So. Um, It'd be interesting to see what what happens with him. Um, you know, the, the centre of midfield. You could argue again there's maybe a need for for players. I know you've mm. got Chalaba, you've got Will Hughes, you've got Kina who could play there. Uh, with someone like Kapu again potentially going, you've lost Dakure. Maybe you need that that sort of physical presence in there, and maybe another player like you said. We've got Ken Semmer. Uh, mm. You've got Saar. Um, and I guess it depends what happens with Delafeu, because again he's been linked with with a move to Italy and Napoli. I think is the latest one. So um, if you, I mean, you know, imagine a scenario where Watford keep Delafeu, Saar, and have Jao Pedro up front. Like that, that that seems very exciting, and seems a team that would do extremely well and score a lot of goals. Yeah. Um, so that you know, let's let's see what happens. As I say there's there's so much uncertainty about so many players. It's it's impossible to make you know hard hard predictions at this point. Um, but you know, as, as I said earlier, I think the, the next X amount of games, you know, before that October the sixth is just the case of get through them, get as many points as you can, and then we'll we'll work out what what the squad is and potentially where yeah. Watford should be finishing off the back of that. Yeah, I mean, it seems like in some ways the biggest signing Watford could make would be to keep uh, Saar at the club and and uh, he could be a real threat in the Championship. Yeah, I'd say I'd love to see him because, in my opinion, he is by far the best player at Watford. Um, 
with due respect to the others and, and you know, there are very talented footballers at Watford, as we said, Delafoe is still, still around and he can be a match winner on his day as he proved in the uh, FA Cup semi-final last season, so or season before last. Um, so, yeah, in my opinion, Watford should do everything they can to keep Saar, then they can work around that because there's enough uh, quality slash solid players who, are, who we kind of know are going to stay. Um, and after that, you can add Saar in, keep Jao Pedro, and then build from there. Um, I guess the real big one is what happens with Troy Deeney because nothing really seems to be decided at that point. And I know it kind of splits opinion with the fans about whether or not it's the right time to let him go. Uh, you know, I think Troy has come out himself and said that he'd be happy to play in the championship, but he just wants to... He wants to know that he's going to be used, and I mean, I think anyone, really, any any football player, would just want to feel that like they're wanted, and uh, and and I think that's like the first box ticks, really, before you look at anything else. But I think his wages possibly are a stumbling block for for Watford. Mm. Can they afford to keep him on the wages that he's currently on? It, it, it's one that we we should really get some clarification on sooner rather than later. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be nice to to know one way or the other. Obviously, he is still recovering from uh, from his his surgery that he had uh, at the end of the season. Um, but it is a tough one because you know that there's probably a fair argument, well, it's a, you know, a fair argument or just or just fact that you know he probably doesn't offer as much as he did sort of five six years ago when Watford last in the championship. He doesn't have the same mobility that he had then, which isn't a huge under a uh, huge surprise given he's he's a six years older. Um, personality-wise, he is obviously a huge personality at Watford. He's a huge personality in that dressing room. Um, you can make, you know, playing devil's advocate, you lose that huge personality, and then other players step up, um, which is something that you know I, is is something we should consider. You know, Troy is is a very domineering personality. I don't think he would agree with uh, disagree with that. Um, and at times that has been really good for Watford because he has managed to pull the whole squad together in a a lot of you know uncertain points, but. If he goes, can other players fill in for him? You know, does there become sort of another another three or four players who step up into the dressing room and fill that void? Um, and on the pitch, you know, João Pedro obviously did his thing against uh, against Middlesbrough. You know, we've touched upon the other strikers they could possibly call upon. There are options, but it's whether or not that trade off of getting the you know the wages that Troy supposedly on getting those off the wage bill whether that benefits Watford more than keeping up the club and having him still sort of working behind the scenes and, and doing what he can on the pitch. Coming back to the game then, Adam, and uh, the boss, Ivic, looks like he's chosen his preferred formation. That appears to be a fluid one that moves from a, a 3-4-2-1 when they're in possession to more of a 5-4-1 when they're out of it. But what do you make of it? What do you think of his style? Uh, well, based on that Middlesbrough game, Watford, you know, Watford games may not be the most exciting Uh this season, but they're not going to get beaten easily. Um, again, that may change in the coming weeks. We don't know, but based on that one performance uh, against Millsborough, with what you'd consider, you know, the the first eleven as is at the moment, Watford were very disciplined. They worked very hard. They defended well, and you know, they t- they took their chances from set pieces, uh, which is what they they're going to have to improve on based on last season. Um, I liked again in in the research I did for the piece I wrote on Ivic. He said he very much tailors his system to the players he's got. So, whilst he has started with a back three in the first two games, there's no guarantee he'll stay with that. I think once the season sort of develops, he may change. But it's hard to really argue with you know 
with that Middlesbrough performance as a starting point because Watford were so so hard to break down and, and so organised that once I think a coach gets that starting point in place, you can probably mould the team in a lot of different ways. And I think hopefully Watford have that now. And if the players change, the players change. But if you have that base and then you maybe throw in a Ismail Asar or you maybe add a you know, Gerard Delfeu or you add in both, brilliant. You have a, a if you had a sort of as I said earlier, throwing three of Delafeu, Sar and, and Gerard Pedro, you could play some really thrilling counter attack football which could light up the championship. Do you expect to see any changes for the Sheffield Wednesday game or, or do you think it'll be as you were from the from the Middlesbrough lineup? There might be one or two, I guess, based on uh, fitness and maybe availability this time around. But it's hard to argue with the team that started the Middlesbrough game. Um, yeah, I can't really see anyone, you know, potentially changing that. Um, I thought it's ironic because I actually thought Nathaniel Chaloba looked a bit sluggish in that first half against Middles uh, against Middlesbrough, and I was a bit concerned about what he was doing on, mm-hmm. on the ball. Um, he definitely improved as the game went on, but um, and it's, you know, it's something that is, is is easily overlooked. But I thought his actual off the ball work dramatically improved as that game went on, um, which I was really really pleased to see because um, he's a really he's a nice guy, Chaloba, and he's had an awful awful time of it with of that injury, which kept him out for so long. And then last season, he never really got a run, a sustained run, where he could gain the fitness he needed to get back to hopefully the level he he showed pre-injury. So, fingers crossed he can do that because I think Watford have a real player in him if he can get back fit and get back to the level he was. Um, and, yeah, and, and you know... If, if some, I was going to say, if someone was going to come in for him, it, it could potentially be Tom Deli-Bashiro or, or maybe a, a, a start for Daniel Phillips, potentially. Maybe that's coming too early in the, in the championship. But um, those are some options that they could use. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I, I'm interested to see if um, Dominguez Kino starts again because I thought he might have been a bit too eager to have impressed against Wolves. There were a few times where he probably lost possession far too easily um, in some promising areas and, and probably in some areas you don't want him to be trying what he did. But, uh, you know, he, he's undoubtedly a player of good talent. So you will, I imagine, persevere with him uh, for at least a few more games. And I think one, and I think Sky maybe highlighted it, you know, Christian Cabasele has come in for a fair amount of criticism in the last sort of year to 18 months. But mm-hmm. I thought against Middlesbrough, he was very, very good. Um, and perhaps in, in the middle of a back three is where Watford can sort of get him back to the level he was, you know, that, that first sort of 18 months at Vicarage Road where, you know, he was linked with the, with clubs quite hard at the Premier League at one point. Yeah, he was. He, he's, uh, he, I mean, he's playing in a, in a Belgium side, albeit he's not a starter in in there, but a Belgian side that is the number one in the world as well. So it's uh, it's not bad, really, is it? Yeah, exactly. And you know, it's always it's always easy to latch onto defensive errors, but sometimes these errors are, are born out of a system that isn't quite working, or or, or just a partnership that doesn't doesn't work. Um, and there's no real there's no real shame in that. You know, players are not robots. You can't necessarily stick them into any system or, or put them next to any player, and it's always going to work. So. Um, Perhaps Ivic has found a way to get the best out of Cabaselli again. Hopefully that, that does sort of bear out over the coming weeks. And, you know, alongside Cathcart, who, as I said earlier, is a very reliable championship defender. And Ben Wilmot, who, you know, had a couple of shaky moments against Middlesbrough, but did very well on at Swansea by all accounts last season. It'd be, it'd be interesting to see how he develops. And in a back three, maybe that is going to be a system that brings out the best of 
of those three defenders and, and potentially Ngaki on the right as well. Great stuff. Well, thanks for joining me, Adam. You have some uh, great views there. And um, before you go, can I just give you an opportunity to uh, give me a score prediction for the for the upcoming game against Sheffield Wednesday? Uh, yeah, it's a tricky one because I think, uh, you know, they're obviously bottom of the table after having the points deduction, but they did start off with a win. Um, but I'm going to stick my neck out and go 2-0 Watford. I think. 2-0 Watford, okay. Hopefully, anyway. (laughs) Excellent stuff. Well, thanks again for joining me, Adam. Thank you for having me. It's been very enjoyable. Welcome back to the Watford Buzz podcast, where we're now going to turn our attentions back to the championship and towards the upcoming away game against Sheffield Wednesday in particular. And to do that, we're joined by sports journalist from the Sheffield star, Alex Miller. Alex, the Owls picked up a crucial three points in their opener away to Cardiff City on Saturday. Crucial in more ways than one because, of course, the club was given a 12-point deduction at the start of the season. Tell us a little bit more about that, Alex. Yeah, hi, Mark. Yeah, a bit bizarre, really. You know, first game of the season to be talking about, you know, crucial wins and all the rest of it. It did sort of feel like that, as you mentioned. Uh, Wednesday are faced with a 12-point deduction that they have appealed. Um, but I think, you know, the, the likelihood, I think, from from those that have followed the case quite closely is that is that they will sort of be be stuck with, with this 12-point deduction, which is now, obviously, now a minus nine, which is good news for, for all Wednesday fans. But... Yeah, um, sort of interesting, really how it how it all came about. It's all around the uh, the sale of of their Hillsborough Stadium, um, essentially to a to a third party uh, company that is owned by Dayton Chanziri, the uh, the the owner of Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, and it was all sort of designed in a roundabout way uh, to expose a, a loophole and sidestep some of the uh, financial fair play rules that that are in place at. Uh, at championship level so yeah all, all sort of a bit of a mess really on both sides you know anyone that's sort of picked up the um, the uh, independent uh, commission report and, and everything went on I don't think either Wednesday or the EFL particularly came out of that smelling of roses so highly controversial it's one that's run since November last year when they were first charged you know frankly ridiculous in many ways that you know it, it wasn't completed by the end of the season there's a long time there to uh, to try and get things done especially when the season was was elongated as it was um but yeah the sort of to make it a, a short story is really quite difficult because there were so many twists and turns it was like a a soap opera at times um but yeah like you said you know saturday when wednesday have had a lot of a lot of players leave in the summer you know key players looking at you know names that you'll recognize obviously Fernando Forestieri, yeah. Stephen Fletcher, Sam Hutchinson, Morgan Fox, you know, an absolute, Atty Nihu, an absolute swathe of players. Um, and no one really knew what to expect, but certainly very happy with, with how it turned out. All the Wednesday fans, a 2-0 world down at Cardiff. I think their, their first win at the Cardiff City Stadium, the first time they've won down there um, since 2007, the first clean sheet they've kept there since 1984, believe it or not. So Wow. Yeah. <laughs> What's that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, you you tend to dig these out in in, uh, in this line of work, but um, yeah, certainly a, a very encouraging performance indeed. You know, everything from from the defence to up front, really. You know, um, in terms of the the clear cut chances that Wednesday have, there was, there was probably only a couple, and, and obviously they won two nil. So encouraging and, and a good start to what what has been and and still is a very perilous position for Wednesday. 
Yeah, yeah, you say it was a, it was a decent performance there and uh, the goals came from Jordan Rhodes and Josh Windus. And, uh, well, I mean, considering that the team could potentially have been feeling under pressure to succeed very early doors because of that penalty deduction, it didn't feel like that on the pitch. I mean, you know, just from looking at highlights, it looked like a decent performance and um, it feels like the team could have a decent one this season. Yeah, I think so. Look, they're, they're desperately still in need of, of reinforcements up front. Um Together with Elias Kachunga, uh, Josh Windass and, and Jordan Rhodes are the only only strikers at the club. Um, so, yeah, I think Gary Monk's made absolutely no secret of the fact that, that he is after a, a number nine. And, you know, I think some of us in the, in the media up here have sort of spoken about the fact that maybe two strikers or maybe even three if they can, um, it, you know, is important to get through and just add that bit of firepower. But, yeah, certainly there's a, there's a good spine to the team. They brought in... Uh, Izzy Brown, who you know his his pedigree across the championship over the last few seasons is is well known, and and together with Barry Bannon, you know the, the, there's not many better creative players, you know at that level. So if they can get someone that's going to consistently finish those chances off, then uh, then who knows what what Wednesday can achieve this year. But I think the focus is very much, you know, twelve points is a lot of points. I think if you uh, if you offered any Sheffield Wednesday fan safety this year, they'd uh, they'd rip your hand off. Manager Gary Monk kept up last season and he's also got form keeping up sides that have had point reductions as he did with Birmingham City a few years ago. And, and you know, is he is he the right man to lead you to safety this season? Possibly possibly even more? Yeah, yeah, quite possibly. It's um you know, there's there's been a lot being made of the fact that he has been through this before, as you say, with, with Birmingham and did fantastic work there. Um and what's interesting, he's brought in his own coaching staff now, Gary Monk, which he was unable to do last season. Um Andrew Hughes, who's his new first team coach, um, he was captain of, of Leeds United when they were uh, deducted 15 points back in uh, 2006-07 season in League One, and they managed to get to the playoff final that year. Um, Shay Dunkley, of course, had it with with Wigan last season. He's a new signing. He's he's not ready to play yet. He's still recovering from a, a leg break that he had in February. But he's expected back soon. So. Those two have been, you know, fine additions to to the squad, and you know, from what he we hear, quite vocal um, about how to deal with points deduction and and all the pressure that comes with it. And in terms of transfers, you, you've mentioned the players that have come in and and left already. But do you feel like it's done, or or, or do you think that there is a potential budget to go and get more people, or will it be loan markets that you're that you're looking at? Do you think? In in terms of a budget, I think it'll be very very small indeed. It's sort of uh, last week, um, they squeezed through on penalties in the Carabao Cup at Walsall, and I asked I asked Gary the question, our transfer fees out out of the question sort of thing. Um, he was a bit non-committal. I think if there's an opportunity there that that they, the club sees a bit of a bargain, then then they may well go for it. They've certainly got a very wealthy owner in in Dave Fonchanceri. Um, but it, it's all how things fit into the FFP and PNS rules, which I think you know. Obviously, you don't see the accounts till a full year later. But I think Wednesday yeah. still sort of clawing back a little bit. They were a long, long way behind. You know, they really did overspend their means for a while there. So there's a, there's a job on on that front. Um, Gary sort of said that they're working primarily in the sort of loan market and in the free transfer market. Uh, he thinks there is still some value out there. Um, obviously, Josh Windass has come in for what we believe to be about half a million pounds. Uh, the rest of them are sort of loans and, and free transfers. So, yeah, it's certainly a, a very different way of going about business at Sheffield Wednesday than maybe what they were sort of going through five or six years ago. 
that's true business. That is getting Windass in for for what is relatively a cheap fee in the championship. But you know he's already off. He's already off the mark. So uh, it's pretty good stuff for him. In terms of Fernando Forestieri, because a lot of Watford fans still have a soft spot for him. Was was he a player that you were happy to lose, or was it a disappointment? Because he had a kind of up and down season. It, it looks like in terms of on paper at Sheffield Wednesday. What was the what was the fans' opinion of that? I think I think the supporters were sort of split, um, which which happens quite a lot at Sheffield Wednesday at the minute, since since results haven't <laughs> quite been uh, what what they were, as I say, a few years ago. I, look, Forestieri's contribution to the club o- over the the six years that he was there, remarkable really in, in terms of the arc. I think when he when he obviously he signed from from Watford, um, he was the talisman, wasn't he, of, of a side that got to back to back playoff campaigns, and obviously you know yeah. we're, we're a couple of goals away from the Premier League. Um, the fact is, uh, I can't remember what year, maybe 2017, he had knee surgery. Yeah, he was never quite the same player after that. Um, unfortunately, he just I don't think he played more than sort of 18, 20 games in a season. Um, lost a bit of his, his pace and trickery. Um, and ultimately, I think it, it was a bit of a no-brainer for the club, perhaps, to let him go. He was obviously one of the higher earners at the club. Um, yeah. and, and just... Just hadn't really contributed the numbers that he he did, and when he made such a massive, massive impact, um, when it when he'd come across from uh, from Watford. Yeah, I think he was um, training with the club, maybe for a few days before it was ultimately decided he would go to Udinese, uh, which I think is where he's gone. And best of luck to him. But yeah, he he certainly gave uh, the championship itself a, a, a nice uh, long spell of his time, and he certainly produced a lot of good goals that uh, I'm sure are still in his highlights reel. So uh, you know, he he certainly he certainly gave a lot to the to the football uh, here in the in the EFL. Absolutely, there's no doubt. You know, real real quality player on his day. You know, and and we saw we saw sort of glimpses of that even even as late as last season. There was a couple of games in particular. There was a, a home game. Against Luton, away game against Charlton, um, where where he featured and and looked absolutely quality, and you you sort of looking at it and thinking, you know, is this a, a new dawn for for Forest area at Wednesday? But obviously, it didn't quite happen. Uh, he was offered a, a contract extension to to finish the season. Obviously, his contract finished in June, and and the season obviously ended up going uh, going well into into July. So yeah, yeah he, he he chose not to, and and that was probably the uh, the sign die really for for his Wednesday career, but. Certainly a, a huge uh, icon at Sheffield Wednesday and, and a great deal of that fan base will remember him only with positive memories. So in terms of the players that are still left in the squad, and there's plenty of them, what danger men should Watford fans be looking out for and uh, hoping are uh, somehow injured for the, for the game on, on, on Saturday? Well, I mean, on, on form, uh, Josh Windass, you know, you've already, you've already mentioned him, but he, he got a goal and assist down at Cardiff and was fantastic, really energetic and... Uh, offered something that that Sheffield Wednesday haven't really had, you know, in that front line for for a few seasons. So that that's an exciting start from him. I think anyone that that's watched watched Sheffield Wednesday over the last sort of five or six years knows that if you can stop Barry Bannon, um, you you know you, you've got you've gone a good way to uh, to stopping Sheffield Wednesday. He's very much the creative hub, sort of the talisman. He's club captain now as of this season, um, and and you know nothing short of a, a Sheffield Wednesday legend really everything that he's achieved you know I think behind Matthias Pereira obviously the, the West Brom player last year he created more chances than uh, than anyone else in the championship even in a in a failing Sheffield Wednesday side so very impressive indeed in, in terms of his numbers and you know that there's there's a hope really from from Wednesday fans that um, with Izzy Brown alongside him 
you know, he's another one with incredible numbers, you know, creatively. Um, the the two of them, could, if they can get something going, as I say, if 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 someone's there to consistently put these chances away, uh, then then those two certainly, if you can keep them quiet, uh, you might have a good day against Sheffield Wednesday. If those two can fire, then uh, you know any team in the championship is uh, is going to struggle with two of them going at it. Your prediction for the season, Alex? I mean, I, I mean, with a start like you've had, I mean, it's only one game in, but the performance at least, I mean, some people possibly could have tipped you for the playoffs, but I think with the points deduction, it's going to be difficult to achieve. But um, how, how far do you think they can go this season? I, I, like I say, look, I think playoff uh, contention with that 12 points is, is probably out of reach uh, for Wednesday. And I don't think really it, it's probably too much of a target for them. I think... You know, if ultimately if they could finish in twenty first place, I think a lot of Wednesday fans would would probably take that. You know, yeah, just safety and and get this one out of the way, dust off that points deduction, and, and go again next season with the with the squad that that Gary Monk, Monk's uh, building. But um, yeah, I'd, look, if they can get some momentum going, then who knows? You know, they could finish you know in in towards the top half, towards the middle of the table. Um, but it is early days. It has to be said, Cardiff weren't really out the races on Saturday. You know, all, all the threats that, that you know that you're going to get when you go down there weren't really on display. Wednesday were fantastic. They sort of cut out the the threat of, you know, that physical threat in, in stopping crosses. And they were really at it defensively as well as, uh, you know, obviously taking the chances that they did. But, um, yeah, I'd, I'd say that, you know, cautious optimism is, is where Wednesday are at the minute. And, you know, if they can get, this striker in that's going to bang in the goals, then uh, then who knows where they could end up. But uh, yeah, I'd say for now, it's a, it's a little bit of a mystery because we're not entirely sure what squad Wednesday are going to end up with uh, come the middle of October. And finally, Alex, a score prediction for uh, for Watford Sheffield Wednesday? Could be anything. You know, it, re- it really could be anything. We're at that stage of the season, aren't we? That, you know, Watford obviously much changed from, from the side that we've got used to over the last few years and, and Wednesday as well. Um, I, I think, you know, especially off the back of a a win at a ground that, that Wednesday don't particularly win at and a lot of clubs don't win at, would they take a draw against Watford? Quite possibly. You know, Watford obviously expected to be up and around it this season. Um, would a 1-1 draw work for, for Wednesday fans and possibly Watford fans as well? Quite possibly. So, yeah, I'll, I'll go for that. I'll go for I'll sit on the fence and go for a 1-1 draw. Yeah, I think. I mean, when you're when you're the uh, the away side, you, you you often are more happier to go come home with a come home with a, a one point in your bag, aren't you? But um, I think uh, Watford fans probably hoping for a bit more than that, especially against a, a Sheffield Wednesday side who um, certainly hasn't got the, the the best quality that they have had in previous seasons but it's early days and and a surprise result could potentially come in the favour of Sheffield Wednesday especially after such a great start to the season for them so uh, one certainly to keep uh, both eyes on well thanks very much for joining me Alex it's uh, it's been a, a great insight to find out a bit more about Sheffield Wednesday and uh, perhaps we can catch up again for the uh, return fixture absolutely any time well that's Alex Miller then of the Sheffield Star and sadly that's all we've got time for on this week's Watford Buzz podcast but catch us next week when we review the Sheffield Wednesday and Newport County fixtures and look ahead to that all important derby fixture against our nearby neighbours from up the M1 Luton Town Please don't forget, if you like this show, to spread it around so more Watford fans can listen in, retweet the tweets, post the show into Facebook groups, and let's start a buzz about the Watford Buzz podcast. Until next time then, I've been Matt Messiano, and you've been listening to the Watford Buzz podcast. 
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.